Welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast with me, Kathy Love. I'm a business coach who helps allied health professionals run powerful and profitable businesses in the disability sector. Join me for cutting edge interviews with leaders in the allied health and business fields, along with plenty of practical content that you can use to make your business practice perfect. Hello, hello. My guest today is Christopher Smith, uh, director, founding director of Happy HR. Welcome. G'day and thank you for having me back. I appreciate all the conversations we've had. <laughs> Repeat offender. It was very lucky we managed to hit record. We were well down the conversation and uh, needed to stop to start. So we've got a ton of stuff we could cover from an HR perspective. But how about first of our, first of all, you just kind of fly us in on Happy HR and all that it is. No worries at all. Um, Happy HR is a cloud-based performance management program that helps businesses remain compliant in the cloud. Mm. Um, what a lot of people don't typically appreciate when they are a Happy HR uh, subscriber is you get this great technology suite which is always growing and we've got some really great innovations about to be launched, but also you get this great HR support from qualified HR consultants that are I have to be honest with you, they're fantastic people, um, both as humans but as HR specialists. So we get questions that are very interesting about how different allied health businesses run or need to run or other, and they really are very quick to help um, those people submit in their minds the you know, and it's changed. Yeah. And so Happy HR has been very proud through COVID to be a great supporter to the allied health community, but also... Uh, at the same token, um, uh, be a thought leader and, and there's a lot of strategies we'll talk about today that um, people are enjoying. But I think what's important here is you, uh, hopefully what comes into today's conversation is what's right for your business and your people. Yeah, yeah. So let's maybe start with COVID. We could be here till midnight. And so I guess some context where it's April 2021, I think. At least this year we know the date. Last year we didn't even know the date. Um, so we are kind of, I don't, I don't like this concept of, you know, the back to normal or COVID normal. I don't think that's particularly helpful right now. Um, but I'm getting asked a bit about vaccines. And so what are your thoughts on vaccines in the in the workplace or in the allied health workplace? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting conversation. As a disclaimer, I'm not giving any legal yeah. advice today, but Please it's don't. just gen, general in nature, as you want to say. Yeah. What people need to understand, there's what there's going, this is going to be in phases, okay? Mm-hmm. So phase one is it's, it's April of 2021 and the world is still on fire, okay? So COVID in, in the Americas, in Europe, Asia, it's still growing. I actually did some numbers the other day and worked out if they did a lockdown like Victoria did, it would take approximately a year and a half to get to normal levels, which is pretty damn scary. Mm. So in Australia, we're fortunate we live on an island at the end of the day. We have pretty good quarantine controls, although it was a work in progress and the government's made mistakes. I'm not going to talk about that today. (laughs) I think what's important is how, what have we learned from that? And there's been some lessons learned or not. And there'll be Mm. little things that escape because different variants come in, they have different things um, but what does it look like in an immunisation or vaccine sense? Now, you it needs to go back to what's referred to as a duty of care. So essentially, employees need to understand what a lawful and reasonable direction test is. What that essentially means is, can I give you an example? If you're in aged care dealing with older people, your key target market can, if you look at a risk management scheme, mm. if they got it, they'd be severe, likelihood rating very high with sickness and or death. So you have a case to reasonably protect your target market 
by it being vaccinated against COVID-19. And if you were to refuse a reasonable direction test in that framework, you it's unlikely that you would, um, if they did an unlawful dismissal case against you, it's likely they would not win in that circumstance, mm. okay? Because you are making sure you're protecting the vulnerable, a.k.a. you're a version 1B under the under the Act, and those things are very important to understand. But if you're an occupational therapist or a physiotherapist, you may not, and this is where you need to get specific advice and circumstances, but if you're treating older patients, there may be a reasonable direction test. If your stuff is mixed, you may or may not need to do it. Mm. Now, all this will change when the international borders open up. Now, when international borders open up, we're going to get people that say, I don't want to get the uh, thing, uh, the, the immunisation or the vaccine. Um, and they may be in a situation where they're not able to enforce under a reasonable direction test. However, they're sick all the time because they keep getting COVID, right? It's a virus, unfortunately, and I do know a bit about this stuff, actually, um, uh, that if you, keep, if you keep getting it, you're going to, you may cause damage to your body that we don't even understand yet. And not only that, you're feeling pretty damn terrible all the time because you keep getting COVID. Now, it's, if anyone's had um, um, influenza A or B or other, that is horrific, right? That is, if you've ever, people say they've got the cold, that's nothing compared to influenza, yeah. right? I've had influenza um, when my, my wife was pregnant with my second child. We both got influenza while she was pregnant. It was the most horrific month of my life, quite honestly it was. Mm. And it, I'm a very super fit individual and it took me a year to get back on track again. Mm. So I would hate to get COVID. So if you're not getting COVID and you're not enforcing that, you might be in a position where that employee is always sick and never able to work. And they're going to face a choice, get immunised or keep getting sick. They are going to have that quandary. Now, it's going to be very interesting and Fair Work is rapidly deploying mandates around this. Mm. And I think it's going to get to a point where you'll have a contract with an employee that states um, there will be policies that govern, our contracts state there are policies that govern and we can change these policies as reasonably in line with business rationale, essentially. Yep. So if you create an immunisation policy that says in the allied health space you need hep B and hep C, which many people are mandated to get, mm. um, you may need to get the COVID-19 jab as well as well as the winter jab each year to protect your people, your staff, etc. I think the worry about this is that it's been rushed so quickly, what are the long-term side effects? I get that, I understand that. We're lucky in this country we can make those choices until the international borders reopen. And when they do, I promise you this thing will be rampant. But because we've got, you know, 80 90% of people immunised, most likely, those 10% are going to keep getting really sick all the time which is horrible for them, but that's the choice they're going to be making. But that's going to impact that person's ability to do their job. So it's important right now that before the international borders open, create an immunisation policy that includes COVID-19 and talk about this is, it may not be, this is not being enforced, but if I need to enforce it to protect my business, aka I'm a physiotherapist helping people above 50, I can't have you work here because my duty care is protected. That's when that's going to start to kick in. So having an immunisation policy is going to be critical now so you can have the conversation. So when the time does come and it is coming, believe you me, it's only a matter of time. So you are crazy to deal with it then. You really are because you're better off dealing with it now, putting a policy in place and when the reasonable direction test kicks in, it's it's as though probably another year's gone by. People are not getting affected, whether it's the Johnson and Johnson, the fires of the AstraZeneca or whatever we end up taking or whatever. 
you've then got a choice to say, right, if you haven't got it within this period of time, it will trigger the policy which you've signed, which then will trigger because of all the precedents by now that have been set in fair work. You know, we, on a happy HR website, there's a blog, so I recommend that you review the COVID-19 blog. And there's a case study already there with a early childhood learning that the, un, the unfair dismissal case was not held up, being that the employee lost the company one because under the direction test, they didn't fail in that obligation. So it's very important you structure it in that way. Get a policy now. Talk to your team. You might say, look, we might mandate Pfizer. Fine, right? We might mandate AstraZeneca. The Johnson & Johnson, it's only 5.2% of the world is going through Johnson Johnson, but it has literally no issues like the Pfizer. So you will get more data as this comes on, yeah. but yeah. there will be that'll, that'll be something you need to look at. So at the moment, business owners cannot mandate and insist that their staff are vaccinated, can they? Well, Depends on a reasonable direction test. Okay. Okay. Right. So they can okay. say, uh, like, in, they can mandate it depending on industry and 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 the, uh, the outcome of that direction test. So vulnerability of the clients. Yeah. Correct. So uh, or vulnerability other, of other team members. Yes, that is that is a that is a really difficult one. The thing that I fear is you don't mandate it then someone older in your team gets sick, really sick. Who is responsible then? Where is your OHNS duty of care sick? Yeah. So that's yeah. why it's important to have policy written that if under a direction test you are obligated and mandated, you are either going to get the jab or your, your termination will probably be held up within the fair work claim. Uh, wow. Um, yeah. That's so, deep. Well, it is, but there's, there's lots of... You've got to understand, imagine this. You are a mobile OT, a mobile physio, a mobile allied healthcare business, um, uh, physio, um, uh, psychology, it doesn't matter what it is. And you have got a corporate client that you deal with now. And we can't have your supplier unless all your team are verified as vaccinated. Poof, there's that business gone. Mm. Right? Mm. There are going to be lots of cases that cause stress. That's why it's important to say when we the international borders open, which they will one day, please, we need to understand that this is going to be the obligation of all employees at that point. Yeah. Right? So it's important to get some advice around yeah. this and, and, and look at that. It's pretty stressful for business owners, equally for employees, mm. but um, at the same token, there will be lots of people that can't operate in certain target markets they're currently operating if they don't have the jab. Yeah, yeah. So rolling this on a little bit, what are you kind of observing about how businesses are running in this? We're not post-COVID, we'll never be post-COVID, but in this current 2021 COVID environment, what are your observations on it? Look, um, I always prepare a lot of data because I like to look at how can I develop my platform to Mm. make it more engaging and do all sorts of things. And also, what sort of advice do we give and the consulting advice we do around HR best practice? Essentially, people keep talking about the you know right? Yeah. I just want everyone to just put that and just and just get rid of it. Yep. What's actually more important to think about is what is the best way to run your business in the fact that people are getting burnt out so fast than they ever have. Why? They're working longer and harder. At home, statistically, facts proven through every country, people who work from home talk about work-life balance, but they actually did more hours, okay? So they think they're working less. That's just BS. Blurry boundaries? Blurry boundaries? Yeah, very blurry boundaries, right? So it's just BS. So what's important is to say, you know, Looking at the um, what we do at Happy HR, we have a paid refresher day once a month to do exactly that refresh because you know our clients you know are demanding because they need something they need it now, and what that does in fact cause is a lot of pressure throughout the day of tickets coming through that need to be resolved very quickly to help that client to alleviate, alleviate them of their stress. 
to be honest, we're really proud to be able to offer that service, to be honest. Mm. But in turn, we need to make sure we're taking care of our people because what people don't really realise is it can sometimes be pretty trying on a HR team. Yep. So it's no different to an allied health psychology business. Or yeah, we were talking about this before we hit record, these refresher mm. days and this burnout. So what sort of burnout patterns have you seen in the last yeah. six months? Yeah, absolutely. So statistically, people have worked about 1.4 hours longer a day. Okay. Wow. Right. So how do you know that? Can you see um, that back? It, yeah, we, we what we're doing is we're doing a range of internal research and yeah. also we've got other partners in other countries. So we've part of other networks and we've recently worked out and we looked at the calendar management, emails being sent, yeah. a range of other critical data around what does work look like. Okay. Mm-hmm. So emails, clocking on, clocking off not having lunch breaks, all sorts of stuff, right? 1.4 hours a day approximately. Realistically, it's more like two. Yeah. I thought of you yesterday with that news release about that, um, yeah, permission to disconnect and be off stage out of hours, those new laws coming in. Yeah, it's important that people know what their boundaries actually are. Mm. So based on that, people say, like I was talking, Kath, before with yourself earlier, but it's, People, they want to work from home, but because they've got used to working from home. What they've forgotten about is the office banter, the, the water cooler conversations, the ability to actually get true career development, right? And truly, you can get so much by Zoom, but when you're doing a consult, you're doing whatever we do here at HR, they learn so much, more than they could ever think about getting from a home office. So being in the fold, being here, you physically learn at a massively increased rate, right? So how do you balance out, you know, uh, burnout? Well, you need to establish boundaries when they start, when they finish, when yeah. you have lunch breaks. And there's some days that can be flexible. If you're doing production work, why can't you start at 7 and finish at 3? Like, think about what's going to work for the individual based on the type of work that they're doing. If it's client-facing, yes, sure, 9 to 5. Get that, right? But if, if there's production work, admin work or other, case notes to be written before work, after hours, whatever suits that working mum or working father for that reason, mm. right, it's it's about getting that right. But I'm telling you the burnout rates are severe right now. You, mm. People don't even know they're burnt out because they're so yep. used to feeling yeah. like crap. Yeah. So that's that's a big problem right now. Yeah. Have um, people been taking annual leave and, like, proper breaks? Um, No. What happens is people are not taking annual leave at all. Um, They are trying to maximise, yes, around the long weekends and so forth, but they're not taking enough time. They're working even on Saturday mornings, keeping up. There's all sorts of bad habits that have crept in. Mm. Um, So what's important to have a process and a policy I think around you can have up to this much annual leave. So so you can't, if they've got two weeks or less, you can't enforce. If you've got two weeks or more, you can enforce it. In certain, ah, didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, there's certain awards that allow for that. So, but why don't they take the leave? Yeah. So, well, that, so I've yeah. got some thoughts on that. So what I think is important for business to realise is they don't take leave because of economic circumstances. They don't take leave because... They, they can't leave Victoria, so they want to go to Queensland, so they're banking their leave or other. What they need to realise is how can we as a business support them on having leave? And that is maybe you do a corporate account with RSCV Group, as an example, and go to Torquay in the Sands and get a corporate rate and you pay for it with pre-tax dollars and say that way the, the employee actually gets extra savings there. What, or maybe there's a gym. Well, I was talking earlier today about buying your staff an entertainment book. Now, when I was a young whippersnapper being a <laughs> chef. Um, oh, my gosh. Flashback. Right? right. So that was great because I, I smashed that book. I worked out I saved a huge amount of money by entertaining myself. It was legitimately fantastic. So, but if you give them a, 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 a benefits card, the JB Hi-Fi, no, they don't want that because they're going to spend money. So giving them experiences mm. and you give them choices that they can enjoy with pre-tax dollars, help them to um, obviously get some accounting advice around us and so yeah. forth, but it helps them yeah. to enjoy 
things and now they can afford to go away and they can afford to have a break and they can afford to refresh. So when I came in on Tuesday, I'm like, I had a great four days off. Um, yes, I worked a little bit, and I'm sorry for that. <laughs> so, so I got you a did work a little bit. But I am taking Monday off to spend time with my partner and we're going to go away and on Sunday and Monday and have time off. So I'm thinking about my own mental health there, mm. um, which last year I probably didn't care about that so much because we were with COVID, right? So having strategies around your staff and why they're not having it and supporting them through certain strategies like that could be a very smart way to go. Yeah. We've been talking a lot with our clients about the staycation, the power of a staycation. Yeah. And the, this is going to be the year of the long weekend and that yeah. there's a really good chance our passports, well, they may get to New Zealand, um, yeah. but um, they're not going to, we're not going to get those trips that we would usually save up for and look forward to. And um, working with business owners across last year to actually role model staycations yeah. Yeah. and to be taking them themselves yeah. uh, because that will be the nature of how we refresh ourselves, I think, yeah. certainly for this year and yeah. probably a fair bit of next year as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It will take a brave soul to uh, jump on a plane and kind of fly off to, yeah. to India to trek or, um, yeah, do the sites of Europe, I think, um, in the next kind of few months. So, I think chiming in there, I think it's important is, you know, the staycation doesn't work for a three-day weekend, Okay. Now, let's be really, let's look at the science of brainwave behavior and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do not think for a second three days are going to cut it. Okay. It does not happen. Now, I read some interesting information. I talked to um, a psychologist over in America very early the other morning, and I, I specifically wanted an answer around rest. Okay. Because I knew the four day weekend was coming. So I'm like, let me see how I actually feel. So I diarized it and I said, okay, let's went to this particular um, um, person and I said, um, okay, first day, you actually increase your stress levels yep. on your final okay. day off. Yep. Second yep. day, you start to take it down and you've downloaded the week or whatever it was. Um, at the, at the, the third sleep is the most refreshing especially if they're working in a safe environment, meaning that if they're pissed off, they can actually say why they are. As long as they give a solution, you'll listen, right? And by the fourth day is the day they actually rest. What happens is the fifth and sixth day, they're still relaxed. Even you could put them into a high-pressure situation where they manage it completely fantastically well. So it's the fifth day, even though they're back at work, they're actually resting. Really interesting when it comes yeah. to brain, brain waves, yeah. electrical, how it all works in there. I'm yeah, I reckon lots of people listening would resonate with that, that um, you take two weeks off, but you really only get one week of rest. Correct. Yeah, it's actually, I was reading a really interesting article. I'll find it and send it to you about the seven types of rest. I read it about two weeks ago. Um, our business manager found it. She said, this is really interesting. And it kind of goes, there's physical rest, there's mental rest, there's social rest, there's digital detox yeah. kind of rest. There's all yeah. different sorts of, yeah. of rest. Um, you mentioned, I was about to mention that. I think what's really important is you actually, like I was re- I, talking to this particular person, it was what you're saying is correct. But if you want to dial that in, you actually need to say, how is, the, when, when, I, when was I most, my most happiest? Okay. And as a business owner, starting before I get into the person, just to take a minute on this, as a business do you create an environment where when someone's annoyed, you will listen? As long as they give a solution, you will create rapid change on that. Not just mm. we'll deal with it in a month, rapid change. Mm. Second point, that they absolutely feel like they're being remunerated. So if someone is like, they, they looked on Seek or other for their job role and they see their roles aligned to that, that means they can have focus around. There's actually stress based on how long they're working and the pressures they're under based on their actual occupancy rate during the day. Trust me, if it's above 70%, you are in trouble, business owners. So really work that out. Now, going back to the employee for a moment, when well, I think it's actually the responsibility of a business in this new normal to say, right, for me, when I was one of my most happiness, right, there's three, if I was traveling, it's at a little, little um, place, it's like a little cliff, in just outside A and up in Cyprus, 
and I used to go there with my wife and we'd have a great time. So that's my happy place. Even Santorini is lovely. Um, it's where I proposed to my wife. So it's very much a happy place for me. However, then if I didn't, if I didn't have a business, I honestly would never have a mobile phone. Even though I'm a CEO of a tech company, I would, so I disc, if I get home, I plug my phone in, I turn on silent, and I do not touch my phone. Even now, I, my, my phone goes bzz, bzz, and I, my wife goes, because she's younger than I, and she's like, I don't actually care about your phone. No, I don't care. I don't actually care. Then it's like, okay, rest, and then there's also physical endurance and exercise, and then there's also how often you do socialising, and when you're socialising, how much drinks and alcohol and other things you're having, and working out for a week when you have that week off, turn off the things that cause some sort of stress and anxiety. Yeah. So your book you read is very correct, and what that does, it actually, you talked about having two weeks off and actually getting a week's rest, it actually triggers the fifth day, a day before, so you're still four days in, but you get my point. So but if you practice that in your normal daily life, you will have less stress. Mm. So it's very interesting stuff. Yeah. I've got another theory why we completely, while we completely digress, and I've been practicing this for years now, and it really serves me, is um, a re-ent- a one, maybe two re-entry days after the holiday, after the leave. So I've just had the best part of 10 days off. Mm -hmm. And so I have re-entry days where I do certain activities, but I don't do certain other activities. And it's actually reasonably structured. And so it's what it's helped me do is not come back into the business and think, oh, my, mm, mm, mm. Mm -hmm. why on earth did I take leave? And just the overwhelm swamps swamps me. So I kind of do the pre-entry planning before I go on leave. To kind of get the most out of the leave phase yeah, yeah. and the refresh phase yeah. um, without kind of just, you know, limping home, feeling quite deflated and overwhelmed. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think that, that those first couple of days back at work are really um, underutilised in terms of being able to really optimise the whole away from work phase. And, and you say, and there'll be business owners going, well, that's okay for a business owner, but I need to get productivity out of the staff. And you go, well, no, no, let's flip that. So when they have a refresher day, which like we have here at BHR, someone during that refresher day manages the inbox and they come back to work with zero emails. Yeah, nice. Now, that means they actually, from 5 o'clock onwards, emails that pile in, are kind of pile in anyway, and they manage those the next morning. So it's actually, they don't come back and there's 2 billion emails, it's just done, as an example. So incredibly... That's care. Yeah, it, it's, that's the thing. So you need to think about mm. your, your entry. Well, after refresher day, why don't I refresher day? Or why am I giving myself refresher days? When I come back, I've got two billion emails I've got to do with. That does not work. You need to actually mm. work out and have a day off. Then they come back and they're not hammered. So their re-entry for an employee is during their time off, someone's actually got their back. Not just yep. say it, yeah. physically show up through action. Yeah, yeah, good one, good one, good one. All righty, kind of talked about um, a bit about this sort of business experience in this kind of COVID world. Anything else you want to add? What what are you kind of anticipating across the rest of 2021? Remote work, people back to offices, businesses starting, what's going on? Okay, so some of the, the legal, legal type stuff at the moment is, you know, everyone needs to come back to the office. No, 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 I don't want to come back to the office. And, well, your contract clearly stipulates this is your workplace. Well, I can do this work from home. Well, this is where you work here. So you're in the box there. If the location's on the contract, the person's pretty much cooked. Either you come back to work yeah. or you're going to get managed and you get exited, right? So mm. but if they're – but sometimes it's about going, how do we develop a normal where – how can we develop where you three days from work, two days from home, or two days from work, three days from home, whatever you want to do, whatever works for you, but work out what's right for each position. So hospitality, you're working. If you're out of health doing physio work in an office, you're at the office, right? So those things can't be helped. But how can you provide work-life balance? Can you look at, okay, um, you know, is it a four-day week as opposed to a five-day week? So if you look at the hours, you look at, okay, based on occupancy rates, you know, 
um, uh, you know, they have basically 50% a day and so can we increase it to 60% a day and give them Fridays off as an example, right? Yeah. So you need to look at people's work-life balance and stopping them from burnout at all costs. And, you know, kids are really disrupted at school, so don't think parents have got it easy because um, yeah. um, they've had disruption there. So it's it's really important to look at, in, depending on the role, how can you manage that to prevent burnout? That's A. And then the last thing I want to mention is um, when you're having these conversations, this can be reviewed at any time. Yeah. This is not expected. Yeah. It's hmm. merely a privilege of working here, but it can be rolled back for hmm. business rational reasons. And you need to be accepting of that. We're giving you flexibility. If it's not working, it needs to be adjusted. You need to understand there are reasons why you may not like it, but you need to understand we've we've tried it and we've so you need to just watch how it's working. If it's working, great sensation. If it's not yep. working, yeah, you make sure you premise that in the conversation. Yeah. So with kind of even allied health work places kind of with team on site in the clinic or mobile doing their work or working from home for some of the non-face-to-face activities. What are you observing about the impact of organisational culture when you've got your team in the clinic, out in the community, working from home? What are your thoughts? I think what's really important is I say this to people all the time and I did a seminar recently where I said culture is manufactured, right? And people go, but what do you mean we've got these inspirational leaders? Steve Jobs manufactured his culture. It was very deliberate. He's not an idiot. He's one of the smartest men to live on this planet in regards to marketing genius, right? Um, everyone's got their, their their genius. I think you're a bloody genius, to be quite frank. I think what you do with your clients and is incredible. Everyone's got their genius. And I mean it's silly, by the way. You are amazing. Thank you. Um, um, everyone's got their genius. So you need to stop and really think about, okay, um, culture, what is my culture? And you need to actually start to think about doing an internal SWOT and external SWOT. And from that, start to do benchmarks around what does culture mean? And you might start to do surveys. And here, I want to be eight out of 10 or above with my survey, right? So that is about environment, around work life balance, around remuneration, around development around whatever, right? Yep. Values, yeah, all team. Yeah, yep. Correct. So you need to work out what are the things that you need and what are the things you think your employees need to work out what that balance is. The second thing that's important to understand through culture is then you've then got to start to put strategies in place to execute that. So if you've got more of a remote team, you might catch up for a regular breakfast, as an example. Yeah. Um, or it might be that you've got a quarterly event or something like that. Um, it might be that you've got that they do online training or someone goes, I like someone here at the moment at the HR is doing some university studies on data visualisation all that sort of stuff. So it's like, okay, so culture here is about learning development culture. So if you've got an interest in something and you've been an awesome employee and you've met your KPIs and you have, a, for me, it's a right for us to invest in you so you can help us to grow our company even more. So that investment I make, we get a return on. So it's about what does it work with culture? Some people, it's about fun. Like I, I, there was a person recently, they all caught up and they all went and played tennis together. And anyone who mentioned work at the get the round of drinks, as an example. Uh-huh. Right? So, yeah. so culture is about strategies that actually work for the type of business that you are, but it is manufactured and it comes from the leader down. Don't think your team are going to do it. Mm. If you, would, you want to structure the mission, vision and values, but you then want to structure events and, and the communication plans in order to maximise your culture. Yeah. And that it's dynamic and ever-changing and it yeah. needs maintenance. It's not yeah. a set and forget thing. You don't just yeah. do a team-building day in February and yeah. hope and anticipate that it'll still all be uh, gorgeous in uh, December, that yeah, it's very it dynamic and changing and yeah. it's like a garden, needs yeah. needs attention. And what's important is when you do a cultural event, ask them how they felt it actually went, mm. right? So we did an event recently with Zonzo State in the Yarra Valley and with the Four Pillars Gym, and it was like three hours together. We only made it three hours because we realised people have a life. It was a Saturday because we actually wanted to go out there and relax. So 
Lunch was okay, but it kind of sucked because, and Zonzo Street was lovely, don't get me wrong, but we had to be in and out because of COVID times. That kind of annoyed me because I like yeah. dying. Right? So I was up there last week. <laughs> but I understand they need to make money, so Zonzo, you still pay. We had a great day, by the way, Zonzo. But, it, it is, but that was like, if we had an hour more at the restaurant, we could have just relaxed a bit more. So mm. no taking that we need to dine a bit longer, right? Yeah. And we went to Four Pillars and that was lovely too, but it was more of a, a quick little tasting thing and it was okay. So I probably think um, if it's more of a social gathering on a Saturday, you might say we're going to we're going to wine and dine, have a bit extra fun, make it maybe an hour longer. So the feedback is it was just too rushed. Actually, everyone was enjoying the conversation and then boom, three hours later it was over. So, but during the day, during the weekdays, breakfast, seven to nine, quick punch, punch, get in, have a really nice bit of poached eggs. So you need to listen to your people. And some people will say, you know what, that, that actually brought no value to me. Why did it bring no value to you? Well, it was rushed, it wasn't this, it wasn't that. I prefer this type of event. So actually start to listen and do surveys yeah. after the event to say, was it actually worthwhile? So you say, what we wanted to achieve was X, Y, and Z. Did you, out of 10, how did you feel we worked with X, Y, and Z? Yep, yep. And be prepared to kind of play with it and move it around a little a little bit as well and to actually plan these events with a, an agenda, with a purpose. Yeah, yeah, and that if you're going into these sort of activities for the sake of it and ticking a box, then it's, 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 it's yeah, doubtful. Absolutely. It's doubtful. The thing I want to yeah. mention here is everyone listening to this is staff and there's a lot of staff that they're going to be asking themselves this question. A, do I value myself or could I be perceived as taking them for granted? Now, ask yourself that question who's listening to this, right? Do you, if you would really look at your staff and could they have that perception that they aren't really that loved? And if you aren't putting things in place to demonstrate that love, and that comes down to paying them well, conditions, whatever, mm. um, you are going to lose great people. Or they're going to tell you that they're not happy and then they will fall silent. Your fault. Mm. It's your fault. And so it's important, like when staff give me feedback, they, they'll let me know. They'll let me have it sometimes, right, which is not in a bad way. It's just there's, 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 there's an issue. Necessary. There's, Necessary there's, there's conversation. There's a solution and we go and fix it rapidly. Yeah. And, and I'm always, like, one of the things I mentioned earlier is I, I benchmark roles. And so last week I went to a particular employee and said, I'm doing a role. I realised that the salary has actually increased. So based on market conditions, here is a pay increase. Hmm. Right? Now, that's the right thing to do, right? And business owners, because you can say, here are the four or five roles, here are the types of candidates that are in market that are going for that role. You've shown enough equity with me now mm. to be at that level. You now deserve that salary. Yeah. Now you shouldn't have to ask guys. Yeah. Well, that goes a long way to saying I'm listening to the market. I'm always going to pay 90th percentile. That should be a strategy, by the way. Mm. Yeah. Certainly um, in our business um, and what we share and coach our clients to do is to think that team retention is the new recruitment. Absolutely it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's, do, let's look statistically. Speech pathology right now. Queensland, <laughs> New South Wales and Victoria. In Queensland and New South Wales, it's the number one hardest role to recruit for, mm. hands down. So when you lose a speech pathologist, you're in real trouble. OT is in the top five as well. Victoria, similar. Adelaide, mm. not as bad. Perth, nightmare, right? So there's lots of allied health roles because of the NDIS scheme and so on and so forth that people have not demonstrated and perceived that they are valued. So they get, um, uh, this is maybe a good segue to how you can structure salaries and so forth. Mm. It's really important to look at how you're employing them, but then what contact bonuses, and I've got a strategy we can take and talk about in a moment, and how you can show them that they are truly valued and sometimes money talks. Yeah, yeah. So do you have intel on what percentage above the award rate most allied health business owners are paying their clinicians? Yeah, Please so, and thank you. Yeah, no worries. So there's lots of strategies here. I'll give you a strategy that I'm working with one client at the moment. They're a business which I won't talk about the type of business they are, 
but they are paying subcontractors around $110 an hour, okay? Mm-hmm. But because, now this is where we go down the wrong road, because they want to dictate how the services are rendered, they're no longer a subcontractor. Now, I just want to talk about this before I go on. If you are telling a I'm just reaching for the medication. Yeah, continue, yeah, continue. What's, what's happening? If you are a speech pathologist or you're a psychologist or you are a whatever, and you are telling them that they need to render the services exactly like this, they are no longer a subcontractor. Yeah. And what you have on your hands is a sham contract and it's a big no-no. You need help with this. Simply go to the 15 minutes of support and have the HR and you can ask. However, you by doing that, this particular person had $110 per hour. So the award rate for this particular person for casuals was $31.85. So the, min, the minimum award was two hours you have to pay them for. So how do we do this? Well, it's actually quite simple. First of all, you've got to pay them for two hours if, even if you've rostered them for one hour, right? So... You've got in their contract, you have what I refer to as a productivity or contact bonus. What does this look like? Well, for this particular client, if they are rostered, scenario A, if they're rostered for two hours and do one contact hour, they get $31.80 times two, and the difference made up, because you still want to pay them the same rate because you want to retain them, because potentially they do recruitment. And she paid them the difference, whatever, let's say the difference is 50 bucks, right? So for the first hour, she was paid, uh, they're paying this person $31.80 plus $50 plus $38, equaling $110 as an example, plus super, of course, or including super, depending on how you work out this yep. deal. And in that scenario, they still get the same money whether they work an hour or not. However, when they work the two hours, they get the productivity bonus for the two hours, so they end up getting um uh, 110 hours for the two hours, as an example. So whatever way they work, they retain the person because they're paying them subcontractor rates. They, they've got them as an employee so they can dictate the service. They've got it covered because they're paying super and they're all above board. They get annual leave on the award rate only. Mm-hmm. Very important to understand because they're not entitled to a productivity bonus because of their – everyone, I'm sure, understands that. So, um, and the leave loading is on, You can in the salary, you can say your salary includes leave loading. Yep. yep. So that way, they're all above board in all those scenarios. So where they work two, three, four, five, seven hours, those scenarios can be calculated. So what's happened to this client? They've retained five people that are going to go from subcontractor to casual. They've retained all five, which I'm telling you, would not have happened. Mm. That would have been a monumental, huge problem for that business. And now everybody can show when you when we did the um, when we demonstrated to the the now employee said this is the current scenario. That's how much you make. This is the scenario. Same amount. So don't stress. The only difference now is you're getting annually a sick pay pro rata, and they're like, that's an easy deal, mm. right? Now. Really good advice there, guys. You need to get your, you need to, with a disclaimer, if you need help, please contact a professional person that can help you through that process calculating that. Oh, Kathy is more than able if you need our assistance, no problem. But that means retention has been achieved and the client is in really great shape. The other thing I'll add in there, which I've mentioned before in other discussions with you, Kathy, is with the contract you sign as an employee, you've got clawback clauses written in which means if you steal a client, you are going to be charged X. If you want to buy a client, it's going to be charged Y based on GP or future revenue or whatever you want to do. Again, yep. there's a couple of calculations you can do. So that way you're protecting yourself from someone doing the wrong thing. Yeah, which highlights the need for really well-informed HR conversations. You know, you can't just kind of hustle this stuff up on a Sunday night um, on your own. Um, We've only got a couple of minutes left, but just on the clawback clauses, I'm surprised how few people are aware of them. Look, the thing that shocks me the most, I'll give an example. We had a client, this actually pains me to talk about this because this particular person 
Um, in the allied health space in the Adelaide market, okay? Um, this person listening to this, they will certainly go, yeah, he's talking about me. I, they had a demo of Happy HR, and I'm looking at them going, you are making lots of mistakes. Their contracts were woefully inadequate. They were basically ripped from Google and put together from what I think should be about right, which happens a lot in allied health, unfortunately. Yep. Actually, Got it from like, a friend. And I hope it's actually on the accountancy space too, of all things. It's quite hmm. interesting. But anyway, um, so this person stole clients from them and it was a big chunk of book. About 22% was worked out. So if you work that out for that particular business, it was about 212 k in fees, 212K. Now, let's think about that for a second. That's a pretty decent living. If the median average wage in Australia is 62500 that's seriously significant. Now, because there's no clawback, no restraint trade or effective restraint of trade, because mm-hmm. you get every restraint trade, doesn't mean it's going to be effective. Yeah, exactly right. So, and they walk with all those clients. So the clawback clause is important to make sure that the contract states there's a method of calculation if a client was stolen or purchased that's already pre-negotiated. So you are in a situation, if you're still an employee, you're going to be um, uh, recharged for recruitment or percentage of the annual salary in the call. So these things are pretty mm. severe. They're stipulated within the allied health contract for an employee, even for subcontractors, frankly. That way you're in really good shape. And it, it, it is so amazing that people don't do enough work around this. It just blows my mind so much. Yeah, and there are so many stories of it just not working working out for business owners as a rule, um, yeah. and they sort of see their, their hard work literally walk out the door. Yeah. So it is complex, but um, part of um, getting – of, of, of it is learning about it and what your options are and making decisions about to what extent you will defend yeah. your um, your territory or your property. It's an interesting point. You use the word defend there, okay? Mm. So if you've got a contract with this stuff, you literally, you've got your trench in and all your guns are up before the war starts, right? Mm. And you can, if someone does it, you don't say, I'm going to sue you, which everyone does. You just go to your legal professional and say, here's a contract, it clearly stipulates it, and you literally blow them out of the water and they didn't have they didn't even have a chance, right? Mm. So you you really need to take this stuff, the employee contracts and the contracts to be able to change policies because there's a lot of changes this year with fair work and having the position descriptions correct. Having a HR framework and having the right advice in place means that you're always in a defendable position. Yeah, yeah, you're staking your claim, you're positioning. Correct. And yeah. unfortunately, people, they they, they, they think that it's not going to happen to them or they're afraid that they're going to not be able to access good talent because they don't do it. You can negotiate based on a particular circumstance, mm-hmm. but if they're going to negotiate around restraint, that person's going to still climb to the end. I promise you it's yep. going to happen. Yep, for yep. sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, we haven't even drawn breath. So um, I'll give you the just the last couple of minutes, a little bit about what Happy HR is up to. You've got a couple of minutes. Yep. Talking sticks are yours. No, it's at all. So look, one of the things that we're doing a lot at the moment is we've got some changes happening to the platform, which I won't go into at this point, but they're fairly imminent, which is going to be quite a big change to our business. With that, where we've always been doing this anyway. We market ourselves as a software with a service, not software as a service. Everyone talks about SaaS, but we're all, mm. I'm calling it a SWAS, right? <laughs> um, uh, but it's important, you know, without sounding like a sales pitch, just if you feel, if you can say hand on heart, do I have my contracts in order? How old are they? There's so many commercial and fair work changes that have occurred mm. the last 12 months, mm. they are probably and likely not where they need to be. Mm. Policies, there's been updating policies, getting the structures around your performance management. But that's just compliance stuff. To be frank with anyone listening to this, it's just you expect that with Happy HR. I get that. But then on top of that, you hopefully this conversation, you can see, well, what don't I know about my culture, my engagement, my performance management, my callback, whatever it might be? 
And what very best practice advice can I get? Now, we understand this advice typically costs in the tens of thousands. Mm. Without the HR, it's a small setup fee and from 50 bucks a month. It is hand on heart for the longest I've been in business and I've been in business since I was 23, 50 bucks a month for the quality of document is literally saving 60 plus thousand dollars. It is an absolute no-brainer, mm. right? But on top of that, you always know that somebody here has got your back, right? So I'd only ask if you, you know, if you need to tighten up in these areas, you know, go and get a demo, make your mind up if it's for you. There's, our demos are educational, not salesy. Right? You've sat in our, our conversations. They're not, please buy today. This whole thing is please only buy if you need it. But if you need it, boy, oh, boy, you're going to save a fortune and get documents that are very, very high level that have got years and years of um, of IP and literally thousands of precedences built into these contracts and structures. So um, that's part of that. But the thing I'll mention is as we grow as a company and there's lots of things that we're, we're doing, um, it's only making the user experience even more easier to manage your HR in the cloud. And you can be, like we're talking about, you can be down the coast on holiday doing performance management on your phone if you needed to. That is instead of having a filing case there's a lot of advantages there by moving to the cloud yeah yep well done you guys well done so let's not be strangers let's kind of make sure we get another episode in the can later in the year um COVID and HR are only going to be changing on a daily basis so um I'd uh yeah I'd love you to be able to share up your current thinking in a couple of months so let's make that happen yeah we'll have certainly be having together some more data we're working on around yeah burnout around wellness around refresher days around um you know uh what the right occupancy rate of activity is for many many people within the LNL space so we had to say to optimize your business we'll be able to say speech pathologists you can do this psychologists you can do that and it just means in a hr sense you are retaining and that means you don't have the recruitment pressures that many businesses face yeah absolutely all righty thanks chris have a good one Bye. bye I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit practicemadeperfectpodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes and continue your business adventure with me. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Private Practice Made Perfect podcast is brought to you by Experts on Air Podcast Network.